Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor, I'm a coach, I'm a husband, I'm a very proud grandfather. And along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've already achieved and of living a fulfilled life by continuing to make a positive difference in the world. I invite you to join me to listen in on the Everyday Millionaire podcast as I interview and have conversations with seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved some pretty extraordinary results, whether it be in their life, in their business, in real estate. And it's here where I'm going to delve into the details of their journey, along with the paths they've traveled to get where they are today, and as importantly, where they intend to go in the future. My guests are here to inspire. They're here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them, both in their wins and in their challenges, from the life and the lifestyle they live to the person they had to become along the way in creating and building their financial futures for themselves and their families. Before I begin this episode, I'll start by first thanking you for listening in and for your support and the feedback you provide us on the show, as well as to ask you to please continue to send your comments, your suggestions, or your questions directly to me at CEO at RainCanada.com. That is CEO at R-E-I-N-Canada.com. And if you're inclined, please share this podcast with your friends or your family and with people you know, or perhaps even people you don't know. Rate the show and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you happen to use to listen in. And while you're at it, please follow me on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page. So thanks again for the feedback you provide us. It's definitely appreciated. Okay, let's get on with this show and have a conversation with today's guest. My guest today and back by popular demand is my good friend, Alan Kahn. Because I received piles of positive feedback, this is actually the fourth time Alan has joined me on the show. And for those of you who are not familiar with Alan, he has over the past 40 years gained international experience as a manager, as an entrepreneur, trainer, executive coach, and certainly far more than even all of that. The track record he has for being a catalyst and driving success for his clients is long, to say the very least. And that primarily because the level of support and coaching he provides is really as diverse and random as his list of world-class clients. Alan has guided and supported literally thousands of individuals on their journey to discovering, defining, and living their best life. Whether personally, professionally, individually, or in a team environment, he's known and has a reputation for driving breakthrough results in the people and teams who are committed to elevating their game. That's really important with Alan is in that commitment He has a unique talent, a special gift, if you will, for facilitating disruptive, context-shifting interactions, which helps him deliver on his commitments to optimizing a leader or a team's performance and for realizing professional fulfillment. And along with all of that, he brings a great deal of laughter and joy to the process. Join Alan and I today as we talk living in the era of covid and a myriad of other topics, which uh, we're going to do our best not to venture too deep down any of the rabbit holes like we occasionally do. Listen in. Enjoy. Alan Kahn, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast, my friend. 
How are you? Well, I, I am well, Patrick, and it is uh, great to be back with you and with the people who are listening. Uh, these talks that we do there, uh, I, I hope they're as good for you as they are for me. Well, you're, yeah, I love them. And uh, apparently our listeners, too, as well, because, uh, you know, we're having you. I think this is your fourth time. Yeah, number yeah, four. Number four. Uh, back by popular demand. I mean, you're certainly one of those. You and Stephanie are one. Of, it's like, when are they going to be back on the show? It's okay. Let's you know, an, an idea. Uh, I, I don't know if you have had two people on, but have me and Stephanie on together. Uh, I, I have not tried that. And I think that's a, actually, that's a good idea. That is actually a good idea. So uh, for just for scope, you're in Portland. Yes. And you hang out there. You live there with your beautiful yep. wife. Yep. And now we're kind of about a, how are we a month? No, we're about three weeks into coronavirus, just for people's sense of timing. Yep. So as we're having this conversation, we're now three weeks into social distancing and isolation and the news and the, you know, what's going on. And so that's just to give people scope. So because it'll be interesting, because we'll probably release this in, a, I think, a couple of weeks. We've got another episode. So probably two, three weeks, whatever it's going to be, you know, the team yeah. will get that handled, but it'll be interesting from where we have this conversation today to the time when this actual podcast gets released, yes. uh, because these aren't timeless anymore right now, because we can't not talk about coronavirus. Yes. We can't not talk about the impact of social distancing, isolation, uh, economic shutdown, financial pressure. I mean, there's many things we can talk about, Alan. And uh, you and I were just kind of riffing off a couple of things, getting caught up because we haven't spoke for a long time. And so it was good to connect with you. But um, tell me, how are you doing? Let's start there. I know you got some great work that you're you're really doing. You're always doing great work, though. But, Thank you. Um, how's life for you? What, what, what are you experiencing through all of this? Well, through the, this part, you know, I, a long time ago, I, I dealt with the fact that nothing is certain. Back when 9-11 happened, you know, we, I helped design a little seminar about um, how to find power and peace of mind in uncertain times. And I am doing so well. Why? Because I know I cannot control what's external to me, that the only thing I can impact and control is how I relate to it. So if I relate to what's going on like it shouldn't be, if I resist it in any way, it's, it's a problem. But the moment I embrace it, I, I accept it, it's just another challenge to, to navigate. And, you know, I expect to have challenges to navigate as long as I'm breathing. Uh, and this is just the latest one, full transparency. Sometimes I'm in, embarrassed maybe, or I feel uncomfortable talking about how well I'm doing because I know there's people for whom this is a real challenge and struggle. And I've oriented myself around how can I be a better service better use to those folks who are dealing with this in a non-productive way. 
You know, that's an interesting, uh, you know, you make an interesting point there, which is to say that, you know, I built a lot like you, as you know, we've, we're, we're kind of philosophically built the same way. You know, I've studied Stoicism and I, I followed the, the Stoics and I've done all sorts of that. So really, when we talk about control, it really is. It, when you let go of that thought process that it shouldn't be this way or it should be a different way, the should, 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 and the kind of the happening to me mentality, it, it changes life, really. Yeah. If you can grasp that concept. But you said something that I thought was really quite interesting, Alan, which was feeling uncomfortable when you're actually looking and seeing around you people who are really mentally and emotionally just not equipped for this. Yeah. And not holding that in in some kind of judgment where we could actually, not intentionally because we're not built that way, but gosh, we could actually, you just made me realize something. We could show up as, for others, as arrogant or self-righteous or, oh yeah, you guys are so fucking awesome. But the reality of it is, is that that's not how we hold it. It's like, but is it an observation? So I, I just want to say that. I want to I want to just shine a light on that a little bit because it's very, very interesting. Yeah, actually, it's so great. So much opens up when we dialogue, Patrick, as you know, my my dream is for us to do a, a workshop together, co-facilitate something. Well, this is almost uh, like a workshop. I know. We're getting, we're, <laughs> we're getting we're, there. We're, we're, <laughs> if you put our four talks together, we got a workshop. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think my concern is, because I can be this way by default, is to show up insensitive. Mm. It's more, it's different than, yeah, I can show up as arrogant, but it's showing up as insensitive to the suffering that's going on around us right now, in, including the physical suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know the people who don't have their next paycheck and and didn't organize, weren't able to organize their finances in such a way where this is just a blip, but this is like a cliff that they're you know, that they're falling, you know, a a chasm that they're falling into. But that's even part of it, Um, you know, is, is, you know, you at this point in your life are financially, you're, you're equipped. Okay. So you've, you've been doing what you've been doing. You, you know, you built your business, you retired, you went on to do what you're doing in the coaching world. You're pretty humble in how you live and, you know, your needs and pretty, pretty simple, right? You may have great wants like many, but you're, you're pretty simple. You're, yeah. there's nothing extravagant, Yeah. but there's also individuals where the timing, you know, I find for me that, and here's, here's something else is that in your case, you've got, you are the way you are. You've got this going on. As you know, I've got a ton going on, you know, like, holy shit. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, how, from a financial point of view, like the pressure is really high, you know, real estate businesses I shared with you, I had to shut down, uh, or, you know, lock the doors on businesses that I've had for 35 years in Edmonton, layoff staff that I've had for many, many years, 25 years. And it was like, what the hell? And I don't know what it's going to look like going back. Oh, and by the way, there's a burn rate on those businesses, even with the locked doors and zero income, like none. And so, okay, (laughs) you know, I've had a few years of being able to, you know, pad some bank accounts, but how deep is that? So, but in in all of that, I can either let that overtake me and a wave of 
pressure, anxiety, worry overwhelm me, or I can just stay really present to what I can do today and stay grounded. Now, that's a little bit of a how-to, you know, don't get too far out in front of you. Yeah, but I think that's great. You know, uh, some of the work that I'm doing with people and with teams uh, and large groups these days is uh, on the in the area of moods. Mm. Because our mood does affect our behavior. You know, you, you can, in, in the sports world, which I know you're very familiar with and, and, and you're, Stephanie's very familiar with, you know, the whole field of sports psychology, you could say, is helping people navigate moods. Sure. So they're in the right frame of mind. Mm-hmm. So there are, in, in working with people, there's a simple display. There are facts, right? What's happening, that's a fact. We have no control over the facts, right? So when I look at my net worth, it's a fact that it's gone down 7% or 6% since January 1. Mm-hmm. It's also a fact that it's equal what it was equal to a year ago. So I go, okay. And it's also a fact that it's you know 100% higher than it was 30 years ago, right? So there's all these facts. If you resist or oppose the facts, you wind up in a mood of resentment. Mm-hmm. And all that is is resisting and opposing the facts. If you, the word you use, accept, embrace, embrace the facts, you, you wind up in a mood of acceptance, contentment. It may not be over the top joy, but you can be with it the way that it is because it's just what's so. Years and years and years ago, I, I participated in a seminar that was called the What's So Seminar. And the punchline to it is, well, that's what's so, and so what? <laughs> you know, to get you to that place of acceptance. That's interesting and, and kind of cool in, you know, in, the, in the so what. It, it, I, I have a phrase, and I realize that how that, la- I know how it lands for some people when I go, it just is what it is. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's it. And so but you make an interesting point that brings that up because I've always because that I've been told by many people, like, don't say that. It just pisses me off. And I go, okay, well, I get that how that can push people's button. But I look into it and go, well, what is it about that? Because I I'm okay with that statement. Yeah. But it's interesting what you just said, which is it is what it is. What I'm really meaning to say is that there is that level of acceptance. Okay, we can't control that. We can't change that. We have to accept that. But then you took it to the next level, which is about the mood, or I don't know if we can say the emotional reaction to it or how we feel about it. Yeah, well, I think a mood is comprised of our, our feelings, our attitudes, our thought patterns. You know, moods seem to have a longer duration. The emotions go up and down sure. at each moment, but the mood is like the background mood, you know? Uh, but I think that that goes into the next part of the really, yeah. is, you know, as we go a little bit deeper into it, how we feel about something, our mood actually also not, is not just about, it, it's not even how we view life, although that's a big part of it, right? It shifts to your point, you know, I'm getting my ass handed to me a little bit on financially that can affect how I feel. It might it create some emotionality behind it. And how we're going to enjoy the day or not enjoy it or enjoy the moment or not enjoy it. But there's another part of that too, which is it also, I think, impacts your actions. 
you know, totally. it's, you know, it's like, I'm not in the mood is a pretty common thing. Like I'm not in the mood, I'm not in the mood to work out. Okay. Well, what would get you in the mood? You know, that's maybe how you have to look at that level of development, perhaps. It's, it's so good, you know, and, and you know, as uh, males, we, we tend to focus on what we have to do mm-hmm. and what we're thinking mm-hmm. rather than our mood. Mm-hmm. You know, you ask uh, many people, what mood are you in? And they go, I, I don't know. And, but I think mastery is yesterday morning, I woke up with a, a, a new, the three E's, three E's when it comes to your mood. So first experience it. And, uh, you know, you and I both do mindful exercises. So get present. No, experience the mood you're in. That's the first E. Mm-hmm. Be willing to, ex- don't push it away. Be willing to, ex- if it is resentment, experience it. That's the first E. Mm-hmm. The second E is embrace it. It's not a good mood. It's not a bad mood. You know, people say, I'm in a good mood. No, no. That's your assessment of your mood. What's the mood? Mm-hmm. So embrace it. Really be with it. And then the third E is explore. Explore what's it comprised of. What are the body sensations? What are the feelings? What are the the thoughts about what you think you ought to do. And then after you've explored it, look for the fundamental care that's underneath the mood. So there's a commitment underneath the mood and get connected to that commitment and then develop your plan for fulfilling on that commitment. So for, you know, for instance, there's a lot of anxiety going around these days, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of it. Why? Because there is uncertainty. And if you resist uncertainty, you wind up in a mood of anxiety, which can be debilitating, spinning around in circles, perseverating. Anxiety can be debilitating. But what it really is, is resisting the uncertainty. So what happens if you embrace the uncertainty? If you accept it, well, then you start to get curious. Okay, it's uncertain. What am, You start to wonder. You know, children have this, they live in this state of wonder. Why? Because there is no certainty for them. There's no, they have don't have a long enough past behind them to be predicting what's going to happen. So every moment is new for them and they're in this state of wonder. So what would it be like as adults if we could embrace uncertainty rather than resist it, start wondering, and then coming up with new ideas and new strategies to deal with the uncertainty? I want to go back. What was the first E? Because I've got embrace, explore, and I forgot what the first experience. Yeah, I'm forgetting them all. So this is hot off off the mental press. I get it, you know, but I'm writing it down because I'm not going to trust my memory around anything. Exactly. So that's that's an interesting part of it, which is it kind of there's a little bit of work, um, you know, in Untethered Soul. And I can't remember. Yes. Henry Singer. No, not Henry Singer. Uh, uh, I know. I know you recommended that book. I have it on the shelf. It's behind. such a good book. It's yeah. so, so good. And I always tell people, read Untethered Soul. And, and, and But I got to find out who it is. Just give me one, one quick. Yeah, it is. It is Michael Allen Singer. OK, so great. So the point is this, is that. 
you know, one of the things that he does similar to this exercise, but I like the way that you've put it is it's around, you know, it's, it's around feeling. So in other words, why do you feel that? Okay, well, that's not it. You know, the first layer is not it. You actually, to your point, you've got to explore and you keep asking yourself the next question. Well, well, I feel this way. Well, why do you feel that way? Like what's behind that? And actually you collapse those feelings pretty quick. It's a cool exercise. And uh, when I'm feeling a, a, a particular high degree of pressure, a little bit of anxiety sneaks in. And that's one of the ways that I will collapse it really quickly. It's a practice. And it's so great, Patrick, you know, because you know, I'm going to do this uh, active webinar with about, I don't know, 70 to 100 people in a couple of hours about how to navigate moods in times of uncertainty. And we're going to look at best practices. And given moods are so fundamental and given oftentimes we don't pay attention to them. We pay attention to other people's moods because they impact us, but we're not mindful and present to our own mood. There is this real possibility of coming up with best practices to shift from I'm not going to say bad moods, but from non-productive moods to productive moods. Mm -hmm. And that's one that you just mentioned. Another one is simply breath. Oh, gosh. You know, remember to breathe. Stephanie will walk past me and go, sweetheart, remember (laughs) to breathe. You know, I mean, you can just take (laughs) 90 seconds and consciously breathe. Yeah. And and like like a good husband, I look at her and go, I am. (laughs) Instead of going, thank you for that reminder, sweetheart. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Welcoming the coaching that our spouses give us. So appreciate that. that, That's a lesson all of us have to learn (laughs) if if we want to stay happily married. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. I don't practice that very well some days. So... What's your, for you, let's, yeah. let's make it about you a little bit. I'll make it about me because I think sure. it's, it's a good place to be. We can be our own kind of uh, test cases. Yes. Here's my observation is that in this particular environment, and I, and I think, like I say, I, you know, I, with the study that I've done over the years and, and I, I, I'm pretty intentional about my, how I'm disciplined or what I've got going on. And I'm, I'm making observations of myself yeah. often. And right now, in spite of, and I'm busy, I'm actually, we're really busy. Like we got a lot going on. We're producing things and we're like, we're really driving hard to support Ray members and, and all the things that we do. But I'm, I'm observing myself is that stopping being alone, being with myself is harder now than it's ever been. And I'm not quite sure why that is like, I, I'm, I mean, it's just the distractions are easy going, you know, having a reason to get on social media because we're active on social media. Like I'm not just scrolling through shit. We're active in it. You know, I'm not a big TV watcher, definitely never during the day, but I just see my distractions instead of, okay, just breathe. Like, it's like that. It's like, if I don't meditate in the morning right away, when I get up, if it's not the first thing I do, Ah oh, man, the chances of me getting back to it, not going to happen. I'm right there with you. So uh, I have a couple of observations about that, Patrick, for myself. As you know, you know, I work with leaders. Um, you I'm work working, with, dude, you work with yeah, global uh, it, it, fucking leaders. Like you, exactly. you, know, you play big. Yeah. 
and, and, and something that you may not know is, is since we talked last, I, I actually have a, 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 a paid position in a company called the Granger Network. Where we're doing, yeah, and you know Carrie. Carrie, yeah, better on the show. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. She's amazing. So where we're doing, you know, executive and leadership and performance coaching. And what I've noticed when I work with people on their effectiveness, and this is how it relates for me to what you just said, is most people, all they have in their calendar are meetings, phone calls, things that involve what they're going to do with other people. Here we are, human doings. They don't have in their calendar, oh, I, I have this article to write. Now, you, sh I'm sure you do. I'm going to prepare for this podcast. But they, oh, so when your schedule is thrown out of whack, like it is for so many people, instead of going to their calendar and actually scheduling, here's when I'm meditating. Here's when I'm responding to emails. What there there are so many more distractions now that at the end of the day they find they didn't do what they thought they were going to do. Why? Because it wasn't in their calendar. And storing what you're going to do either on a to-do list or in your head is a terrible place to store things. It's like storing ice cream in the oven. The only place to store what you're going to do is in your calendar with a time when you're going to start and when you're going to end. But if I'm not in the mood to meditate, <laughs> I don't meditate. And I know it's good for me. Like, like, it's not like I don't know this shit. And like, so what's happening to me? Like I'm, I'm coming apart at the seams. I'm losing my shit. So I, it's yes. just, here's the observation about it. Right. And uh, so it's just an observation that I'm trying to, kind of look into it deeper about oh, good, good, good. because here's the thing here's the thing is i i know it i i mean for years i practice it what's what's happening to me i'm coming apart alan help me the, the neuroscience says a lot about that so you know the have you heard of the marshmallow experiment i have a i gotta go back in my memory it's where your 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 task is you're given a task the marshmallow with straws is it with straws or something no, no, little kids, little kids. Yeah, yeah. Little kids, get, they put a marshmallow. Yeah. They said, listen, I'm going to leave the room. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I do remember this. Go ahead. Explain it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the instructor, the experimenter leaves the room. They said, listen, I'm going to leave the room for two minutes or five minutes. If you don't eat that marshmallow, when I come back, I'm going to give you another one so you'll have two. And that is the most perfect predictor of success, more than your IQ, more than your test scores, is can you delay gratification? So our brains, you know, if I'm not in the mood, right? So what our brains are telling us, oh, there's not going to be any satisfaction in meditating now. So I'm going to do what I'm in the mood for. Well, but I think, I think all parents should do this marshmallow experiment. So what's, what's the, exactly. what's the best age? Is it there? Isn't it like four or something? They do it at four, four exactly. years old. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Parents try the marshmallow experiment and then, and then, but it's interesting because lots of kids look at it and go, yeah, no, I'm going to eat it right now. I'm good. Yeah. The, the longer, what short term gain so by not meditating, you get a short-term gain, which is you get to follow your mood for a long-term loss. 
So it's it's like you have to choose. Do you want short-term loss, long-time gain, or short-time gain and long-term loss? Yeah. And that just has to do with how our brains are. That's not personal, Patrick. I get, but I, do you think it is? I th- I don't know. I don't know if I agree with it. I Like, I get the concept, the science of it, neuroscience and blah, yeah. blah, blah. I got all that. Yeah. But I, I you know, here's, the, here's some observation of yeah. myself. I used yeah. to love to read and I still love to read. Yeah. But guess what? I, I, I'd rather consume it with audio. Like now I try and read and it's like, I cannot absorb it fast enough. Uh, I, it, I stumble around. It pisses me off because it's taking me too long. I have to read the paragraph a second time. Like, but yet audio, I can take it on. Now I know there's all sorts of, you know, learning uh, modalities and what exactly. works, works best. But That's I'm right. finding that I'm really impatient with myself in in how quickly I want to get that observation. I think that's why video is becoming also so popular, right? Those little short hits. I share that with you. I unfortunately I, I I've got arrogance on top of my impatience, and my arrogance is they could have said this in so many fewer words. They must get paid by the word because they are dragging this out. If they could have just given me an outline, I would have, there's not, where's the beef? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, we're totally going down a rabbit hole here, but I. I okay, let's come I, out. <laughs> well, but just really, no, but it's a good rabbit hole. Just really quickly is that <laughs> to that point is that that's an important, I think that's an important statement even for somebody yeah. who's blogging. Get yeah. to the point. You don't have enough time. I, I'm reading a book, uh, the, the 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. And uh-huh. um, and I'm a, I don't want to call it, say I'm a fan of Robin. I like his work. I think he's got some cool stuff. Definitely not a fan of Robin. And after I, after I, I've been trying to read this book, the 5 a.m. Club, but he got all freaking creative. He's trying to wrap the story around it and a billionaire on an island. And I'm going, this book would be an hour long if he just got to what he's trying to say and the lessons he's trying to, but I don't have time for that. I get it. It's my observation. You know, there's one, one other thing, you know, and it's like, um, it's too late for this advice for those who are listening, but you know, we, we've done work together on money and the money clinic that we put on for the, for the rain members. And, you know, one of the basic, principles in having a a sound financial future and present is to have six months worth of living expenses Mm -hmm. or business expenses. That's the first place you put savings is build up six months. Why? Why? For times like this, Mm -hmm. so that you can ride it out and you're not going, am I going to make it through? Mm-hmm. Now, for those who didn't do this, no problem. But this is something to start when the economy turns around again, when you start drawing in money again, is make sure you put aside for your business six months of operating expenses, mm-hmm. for yourself six months of living expenses. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you and I cannot control what's going to happen next. And a six-month cushion is is a pretty good. That's a pretty soft cushion. Yeah, and and I think that's a great point. You, you know, we can't. It's too late. Like, can't go back. Can't, can't go, go back. back. You know, shit's hit the fan, and and you know we were prepared for it to the degree we were pe- prepared for it. 
That's exactly where I want to go with this one, Patrick. So I, I say there are three eras. You know, the work I'm doing with companies and individuals is called error work. Completing one era consciously and then launching the next era. So there's pre-COVID era. Yes. There's the way we operated before this began. Mm -hmm. There's COVID era. And then most importantly is post-COVID era, because you're not going to be able to go back to the way it was because the landscape has changed. So what are the lessons that you and I, that we as a human being, human species are going to learn from this? And are we going to learn any lessons or are we just going to survive it? Well, we did a little bit of that era work with you. So, yeah, yeah. so I know the impact. It's really, really effective for teams. It's effective in business. And I think it, even individually, you know, Stephanie has a, it's not a, an era thing. She talks about incompletions. Like where, where have you not completed on an old story? What are you still operating on top of? What is, what do you, what's the shit that you're bringing with you? Because you haven't completed that story. You haven't completed the era uh, that 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 story occurred. Yeah. What the circumstances were. You gotta. You gotta like end it. And and, and if you don't, you have you have only an illusion of choice in the present. What's really driving you is all that stuff that's incomplete. You know, one of the things I just put it on our rain space today, as a matter of fact, a uh, question of what do you think the future is going to be in terms of what will we never go back to or what will change. What will, I mean, we know Zoom meetings are going to change. Like everybody's going to be more video conferencing calls and probably more working from home. And I mean, those are pretty, I think those are givens. But what is really, like when you think into the future and we're only, like I say, three weeks into this thing, we know that we're yeah. shut down for another month. You're, I mean, you're in America. So you got, you're, you're well, I, Canada too. We're shut down till for sure the end of April. Yeah. And, and, and imagine... Like I've been thinking a lot about that. So how do we, maybe we have to even complete the era of, you know, by on a monthly basis. Now we're still in the COVID era. That's right. But things are still changing. Like, so I think there's stuff we can't, we got to let go. That, yeah. And so the two answers, you know, I know I look old and I am older than most of the people listening to this, but I, I was not alive during World War One. I don't know if you've studied history. Do you know what World War One was called when it was going on? I, I, I do have, I can't bring it to my brain surface. It was like the, First the war to end all wars or something. Wasn't exactly. It? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this was the war to end all wars. Mm -hmm. So what people thought is they were going to learn from this and there weren't going to be any wars anymore. Because mm -hmm. this is the war to end all wars. Yeah. So I'm not optimistic about us as human beings that we're going to learn what we could learn from this COVID era that could further us as individuals, as family members, and as a species in our relationship to each other and our relationship to the planet. We know that the earth is grateful if it had, if it had a mood the earth is grateful about for COVID. Mm -hmm. Why? Because because we're polluting it less. <laughs> the atmosphere is grateful. Oh, Why? yeah. We're Mother Nature's just got to have room. She's probably... It's like, yeah. She's probably having a big breath. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a lot of uh, healing. This Maybe that's maybe that's what COVID's all about. 
The earth well, needed some time to heal. Give me a break. I need a rest. I need to heal. That That is a very positive and empowering framework is, is this came to us because the earth was crying out, leave me alone. <laughs> Stop destroying me. Let's chill. Go back to what really matters. Mm-hmm. You know? And, 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 you know, people, I'm not sure how it's going to go with all this time at home with our spouses. Either people are going to be fall more in love or the divorce rate's going to go up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you got to hang, well, I guess it goes like, that's sometimes what retired individuals go through. And, and by the way, I, I, I'm glad you said that word again. I'm going to cut you off. To, I don't consider that I ever retired. No. So, th- this is for the older folks on the call. I, I say, don't retire refire yeah for sure 100 <laughs> pause lock it load different ammunition refire that's a good one and but it goes back to all of a sudden you're in my space why we're in each other's space we weren't and now yeah. we are and that's like yeah. but that's like all of a sudden now having to be with yourself so if you if you're laid off you you don't have a job there's no work to get I mean, people are, Netflix is going crazy. Now you have to be with yourself. I was coaching a a woman yesterday whose husband was laid off. And, you know, and he's busy going, well, what am I going to do? And, you know, they have two kids, so he's spending more time with the kids. And she said, listen, that's not enough. Why don't you start studying something, Mm -hmm. some skill that you knew you wanted to learn that will make you even more marketable once this is over. Mm-hmm. So that's making the best. Okay. Oh yeah. I could watch everything on Netflix that I've never watched and everybody's recommended, or I could learn a skill. But then you got to be in the mood to circle back. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not joking about that. No, no, no. That's the mental shift that people are challenged with. But let's look. So let's say there's this phenomenon called possibility. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I will subscribe to the notion that the future isn't written. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yes. So another way of saying that is anything's possible. Anything is possible. Now, if you resist anything is possible, what mood do you wind up in? Well, you'd be kind of bummed out and shut down. Resigned. Yeah, resigned. There you go. Walk around in resignation. Why? Because I'm resisting possibility. If you embrace possibility, what do you wind up? Ambitious. What? Creative. So... This is a, this is cool. Okay, this okay. is cool. This is a, let's enter there because there's yeah, a, there's a, there's a fundamental that so we launched back in late 2019 what we called the Elite 52 coaching program, which is a 52 week coaching program that was not just supporting people in buying real estate, but one of the fundamentals was what are your values? What's the context for your life? Living your life intentionally, actually defining who you are and what it is you want to achieve. Who do you want to be as a husband, a family, a wife, a whatever, a business person? Like, what is the context for your life? So that was really good. It's a cool body of work. People are kind of going, holy shit, this is really cool. Because, you know, we good got work. to- Yeah, it is. Good. It's fun, dude. It's really fun. Because we got to this, that real estate doesn't fail you. You feel fail real estate. Because we don't create an environment to succeed in real estate. Because we don't have a context for it. We're not even sure that who the hell we are. Here's go back to- what you were just saying. 
about yeah. possibilities is that what I've discovered in working at this level with one-on-one, -on -one, because we've co I've coached for many, many years, one-on-one -on -one and one-on-many, that's really what RAIN is. I mean, as much as we're researching how-tos, we're a coaching program, a, a, yep. a giant coaching program. Yep. But we're really taking it to the next level with individuals who want to enter into the next level. But here's the thing about possibilities. You actually have to have a vision, a drive, some creative kind of view. And that's where people I see get stuck. You ask people what they want, dream big, and they are stuck. They go, I have no idea. So yeah, it's great. give us some guidance here, old wise right. one. Okay. So two things. First, I want to go back to the meditation because if you set a goal for yourself, mm -hmm. I'm going to meditate. I like what you just said. If you don't have a goal, it's great to have a goal. So if you have a goal, I'm going to meditate for five days in a row mm -hmm. rather than I'm going to start meditating again. Yeah. Now I'm going to do five days and get a little display. Commit to it. <laughs> and get it up on the wall or a pad or by the side of your bed with five boxes and you put an X in it or a smiley face. Because and then you get the dopamine response because every time you do day, oh good, I did it. And then day two, then you gotta find what structure works for you to transcend your mood. So the another structure is, as you know, have an accountability buddy. Mm -hmm. Have somebody like me who you have to text at 7 a.m. every morning saying you did your meditation and keep that structure in place until the, the neural pathway for meditating in the morning is activated again. And then third possibility, I am working on being a commitment-driven human being as opposed to a mood-driven human being. And the first place I'm going to practice is by meditating for five days in a row regardless of my mood. So those are three different accesses to how do you start initiating a behavior that's your, it looks like your mood, you're not, that you're not in the mood for. The reason I share that is, is Cheryl, uh, Cheryl Maycock, who's the most yeah, wonderful loves, right loves Cheryl person, Maycock. A wonderful person that you can have. She had bought me a book on, uh, by uh, uh, Ryan Holiday around, you know, the daily study of Stoic. And it was, you know, oh. the daily Stoic, it was study, it was meditations. And, and it was actually a workbook. And every day you would read some, some, you'd read a passage and then you would journal on it. And it was 12 months. So it was 365 days where every day you would study some pair, some phrase of a, a Stoic. And then you would actually comment on where in your life in the morning and at night, it was a commitment. And I went through the whole thing. And, wow. And wow. it was a really, every day, every day. I remember when you were doing, that was about two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would call you in the morning and you was you were in your journal. Totally. Every day and even in the evening, the whole exercise was, is read and understand Stoicism and, and study the greatest Stoics. And that's what we did. And then where, where were you that in your life today? Or how was your day around? It was kind of a fun, but it was yeah. a whole year of it. And I yeah. still do it. I still pick up the book, but it was Cheryl who bought that book for, and she did it as well. So it really was kind of cool in terms of relatability. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was fun. So anyways, I go back. I digress. No, it's exactly, it, it, as you and I know, there's intention, right? 
does what you're intending to do, but they did pave the road to hell with good intentions. Mm -hmm. Because intentions don't lead to action. They don't. You need a structure, practices, set up your environment mm -hmm. so that it will pull you to act. Mm -hmm. Without paying attention, that's why the gym, you know this one too, the gyms and the fitness clubs, they sell so many memberships in January. <laughs> sure. More than they could serve because they know the drop-off rate. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's embarrassing. But it's something, again, I think it's something to embrace. It is easier for us as human beings to do what we're already doing than to do something new. It takes less brain energy. Well, sure. And not everybody's wired to be, to elevate. Not, I, I, I just see that people are, are actually, they go back to the work we did with Paul Stoltz years ago. You know, yeah. it's really not everybody's a climber. Some people are campers. I'm a happy camper, right? That, yeah. Seen that phrase, heard that phrase. My, my, my dad's uh, version of that, I, I didn't have that phrase to use with him when he was alive, but is if it's not broken, don't fix it. Sure, yeah. And and, and those are the folks that I, I don't coach. But, but <laughs> yeah. even you as a coach, I mean, you've yeah. had this experience, right? People say, I need a coach because I want to be bigger, be better. I want a greater life. I want to achieve more, whatever their story is. Yes. And it's just not true. Or yeah. it's true, but they it's can't true. get through it, it. it. It's true as a want. Yeah, it's true it, as a it's want. It's like, like a wish, a yeah. want or a wish. Yeah. What we want and, and what we wish is, isn't what produces our action. And, and you're right. Sometimes a coach's job is to get people to do what they know they need to do, but don't want to do. But you know what? I don't like that style. That's hard work. Hard. I work. know it's it's not fun for the coach. You know, I want to work with people who have big dreams, companies with big goals, people who are up to something. Mm -hmm. And I think mostly that's all who's going to be listening to this recording is people who are up to something and, and, and know it's going to take an investment on their part, if what they're up to is a few levels beyond where they currently are. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I think individuals who listen to podcasts in general are actually looking at how do, you know, what can I learn that will help me improve? What can I take away? And, and hopefully people are taking some insights away from our conversation and in, in our learning. I always, I know that even when I'm having this conversation with you, I'm picking up little things about myself and things that I can do. And, and that's really the power of these kinds of conversations. I same, same for me, Patrick. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a player coach. I'm yeah. in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look at what's going on right now yeah. in all of this, you know, yeah. what are you, are you noticing any kind of patterns with the clients, some of the, your clients, because your yeah. clients are top performers. Yeah. And, how are they approaching? Do you see a pattern in how they approach yeah. it as a top performer? Yeah. yeah, it's so good you say this. You know, another way to shift your mood is to put your attention on how can I be a better service or contribution to others. The moment you're oriented around contribution, you shift, your brain shifts into the parasympathetic rather than the sympathetic. It's not all about me and my survival. Mm. It's about 
how can it, so the really the, the folks who are, most of the folks I'm working with are looking for ways for how do I keep my team together? Mm-hmm. How do, and not just productive wise, but how do I have them better able to deal with uncertainty? What can I do for my team so that they can survive and thrive in, in this time? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. And the people who are at the top of their game, as you are, it's all because, I mean, you shared with me before we came on air is how well your team is doing. Yeah. My team yeah. is is and, over and, the top, like and that, unbelievable. And, and that's a credit to you because mm-hmm. your focus is on having a great team. Well, it's even more than that to be how I'm driven yeah. And how, so where, where I drive from is where am I being a contribution to our community? Full stop. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at thousands of people across the nation called Canada, which isn't very big, by the way, but it's still candidates. It says, it's kind of cool to say national, I guess. But how can I be an amazing contribution to that? How can I carry the legacy of rain forward, which is always built around being a contribution? Guess what then shows up? The people that need to do that and embrace that thought process. It's so great. And, and, and so that's the short answer to your question, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Once you make sure your shelter, your food, clothing, your needs are taken care of for the next few weeks, be asking yourself the question, how can I be a contribution either to my team, my community, my family? What can I do to contribute? And you will make the the current situation will provide you with more opportunities to contribute than you'll have time to do. I, I sent every single client, you know, that I worked with over the last couple of years, uh, an email. Listen, if you're having trouble, you want one free one free coaching session, you know, uh, uh, to help you navigate. See what you can do to contribute. This this webinar we're doing in, at noon is no charge. And it's not a marketing ploy. It's not like, oh, good. Now, what's the aftermarket? No, be oriented around being a contribution. And this current set of circumstances will be nothing more than an amazingly fertile field to contribute to people. Uh, I so agree with that. And we're doing like, anyways, Rains, we're just, the team, we're doing some really, really great stuff. And, and yes, we got it. I got to, you know, I have, I'm fortunate with rain. I, I haven't had to lay off any staff. And I mean, gosh, we've had members that have been very, very challenged financially, you know, real estate challenges and banking challenges. And then you look at Alberta, which is just like the province is getting its ass handed to it. And so we've got programs in place for those individuals and we're doing some fun, fun, fun stuff. But I want to go back to a couple of things because sure. we just cannot miss this. The, we go back to the question of how are what are you seeing as a pattern of top performers? How are they? How, yeah. You know, what are they? How are they taking this on? I think that conversation is is as natural as it is for us, or normal as it is for us to say, quit. You know, like make it about other people. Be a contribution. Show up. And I think that's a common theme, thankfully, for many. But for some, it's not. You know, that's where depression lives. That's where you know being sad and being all messed up as victim lives in the space called just look at me. Right. And so there is a place where it's so freeing when you just let go of it. 
Got to say one more thing about that. So we talked about resisting or embracing. So right now, for many of us, you and I too, there's loss. Mm -hmm. I've lost some of my net worth, Mm -hmm. right? I've lost some business opportunities. Yep. So there, I've lost the ability to go out whenever I want to go out and do whatever I want to do. There is loss, mm-hmm. right? If you resist loss, you get morose. Mm. You know, it, it, you go down in the dumps. You do. If you accept loss, you got you might get a few tears of sadness, mm-hmm. but sadness is not a bad, you know, you go to, People pay to go to movies and plays to get sad. Exactly. Sadness, <laughs> sadness is not being morose. Yeah. Okay, I'm sad that I didn't get to go to Hawaii three weeks ago with Catherine. Okay, and then that, and then I'm sad that we we rebooked and we said let's go to the Oregon coast, and I didn't do that. Good. I was sad for both of those for about five or ten minutes, mm-hmm. right? But if it would have dragged on longer, it would have been something other than accepting the loss. Mm-hmm. So when you accept the loss, when you experience the sadness, then you take the next breath. Good. Now, what's the opportunity in front of me? Mm-hmm. What is the opportunity in front of me? Well, this goes. Uh, you and I once again, we had we were a little bit of a riff or conversation yeah. just to catch up and yeah. with what's going on and all the rest of it. And I really have gotten so clear on one thing and that is I've detached from the outcome. Yeah. And it's, it's so freeing and it's not that I want it less. I, you know, as I said to you, I'm going to push the cart as hard as I can fucking push the cart. And if it doesn't move, okay, damn it. (laughs) But I, but I'm excited about what the outcome could be, but I'm detached from it because guess what? With what's going on right now, Alan, you know, we yeah, and, 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 you know, what do championship coaches tell their team the last words before they go out on the field for the championship game? They don't say win. No. <laughs> go, go out there, play your hearts out, have fun. <laughs> play your hearts out, man, and have fun. And, and I- don't, keep, don't keep your, now, do you have to have all the plays set up? Yes, you need the plays. You need to know which plays you're going to run. And your job as a player is to run those plays the best you can, but you are not in charge of whether you win or not. We're not. And, but I get it. So that's a really good point. What plays are in place. So JG and I, as you know, work a lot together, Jennifer, the whole team, we work a lot, but we get into, and we're very logistics operationally minded and blah, blah, blah. We're doing presentations and teaching and educate. We're doing all the things so it can get very pragmatic. But um, JG came up with this phrase. He goes, guys, quit it. PF, what are you doing? We got to leave room for the magic. <laughs> right? I and love it. There there you we can overthink shit and we plan for everything. We got to leave room for the magic. And I I thought that was just such a, such a great statement. So we all live in that. If, so as a team now if we're going like do this and do that and a b c d and 1 2 3 4 and it's like whoa whoa whoa. Slow down. Where are we leaving? Where are we leaving room for the magic? And it's a great statement, but it's it's been really fun uh, playing that game as well. I, I I I am completely aligned with that. 
do what you can do uh, 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 and then let go. <laughs> and then let go. That's it. So he, so there's a couple things here that I want to go back to that I made some sure. notes around. And this yeah. goes back to a conversation, number one, about operating system uh, sure. and, and how we, we have our, you know, what is your operating system and how yeah. do we kind of look at it that way? But yes. the other thing is when we're being a contribution, yeah. there was something that you said, which was, you know, when you have your needs handled, you know, your shelter, food, um, clothing, clothing, all of the things that, you know, this goes back to fundamental around even who people are as leaders, which yeah. is be a contribution 100%. Moms are kind of, I want to, I want to use the word guilty, but moms are wired to before all else is my family, is my kids. But they lose. I mean, I mean, look at them. The genetic, their bodies change. Yes, so, everything so is built. Be a contribution <laughs> to their kids. But here's, but here's a lesson that everybody, and I use moms as an example because that's a, it really a, a, an extreme example. But I've come to observe that individuals who are the greatest leaders are actually incredibly, and I'm going to use the word selfish in looking after themselves. Oh, very good. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because it really, you know, they, yes, okay, moms give, 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 wives give, 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 and then 25 years later, they wake up and they're pissed off because then then that's, shit hits the fan. I, I'm not saying that's a normal, but. But pause there, just, for, let me just insert this before, and then keep going. A qualifier, yep. There, there's a difference between being a contribution and sacrificing. That's, that. 100%. But sacrificing that, is that. doing it. That's doing it with resentment. Yes, love that. Well, they, well, sometimes it's, it's yeah, there's always that underlying resentment, right? With if it's a yeah. sacrifice, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, yeah. contribution is for the joy of contributing, right? And what I would like to shine a light on in this yep. particular conversation, the intention of this this particular dialogue in this yep. narrative is to remind people: it's like put your oxygen mask on first, because you're no good to anybody, worn out, run down, dead. Like you yep. just have to look after yourself to be the best you can be in the support. I, I owe it to. My family, I owe it to my team to look after myself. You know, this sacrifice, if I'm not sleeping, if I'm not working out, if I'm not eating right, if I'm not looking after me, then I'm no good to anybody. If you're, you know, you and I used to talk about this a while back. If you're a leader and you're sacrificing, you're, you're going to be, you're not going to be the best leader you could be. You know, I, I, I'll show you the, the, the listeners can't see this. It, I just, it's called the sacrifice syndrome. When you're sacrificing, you're under stress. When you're under stress, the sympathetic nervous system is aroused. It produces epinephrine, norepinephrine, corticosteroids, blood pressure goes up. Uh, it's fight or flight. Your brain shuts down. You have less healthy immune system. You overstimulate the older neurons, leading to shrinkage of neurons. Result, brain loss, anxious, nervousness, even depression. You perceive things that people say or do as threatening and negative. And you know, when you or I are under stress, other people seem like a threat. Mm, 100%. Now, 
here's the, the renewal syndrome rather than the sacrifice syndrome. Wanting to understand, care for another person, initiate an action of contribution to their well-being. It arouses compassion. It arouses the limbic system. You go from the left prefrontal cortex. You secrete oxytocin, vasopressin. The adrenal pituitary axis gets activated. You increase secretion of immunoglobulin A and natural (laughs) killer cells. Your blood pressure goes down. So being a contribution is good for your health, but you can't do it if you're not taking care of yourself. That's so. Okay, let's go back to that because if yeah. somebody's listening to this right now, yeah, and they're going, you know, I realize that I'm sacrificing, and it really pisses me off. So, in yeah. the work we do with Elite Fifty Two, and the work I've done for many years, is who are you being in the context of your life? And that's first one. Second one is, are you willing to be misunderstood? Because the minute you change who you're being in the context of your life, it's going to piss somebody off. It could be your friends, family, whatever, you know, workmates. All of a sudden, you're showing up and the person who used to sacrifice is no longer sacrificing. Yep. So in other words, people don't know that you're holding it as a sacrifice. They think you're being a contribution. Awesome. Now you're angry. Now you're pissed off. You got all this stuff going on. So the point of this question is, Alan, your wisdom, your guidance, coach. Okay. If I just realized that I've been doing a bunch of shit and I'm sacrificing and I'm starting to resent it, I'm operating on top of it, which leaves me a little edgy, a little pissy, especially... Now that I'm locked down in it, what's your guidance? How do we how do we bust through that, do you think? Well, let's go back to the three E's. So you're in a mood of sacrifice. You're in a mood of suffering. So first one is experience it. Mm-hmm. What are the thought patterns? You're so smart. I love this. What, 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 are the mood, what are the feelings? What are the body sensations? What's my posture? Mm. Are my shoulders down? Just experience it fully. Mm-hmm. Two minutes. Mm-hmm. This is not like a 10-year process. <laughs> to experience it fully, two minutes, five minutes, then embrace it. Okay. I fell into that routine. You were used operating system. I fell into that old way of operating. Yeah, I embrace it. It's part of my humanity. Don't beat yourself up. Oh, I should have known better. I said I was never going to get this way again. No, you're a human being. You will be a jerk, have the opportunity to be a jerk and be unproductive for the rest of your life and for the rest of my life. So embrace it. Then explore. Okay, what's the commitment that really matters to me? Okay, if the commitment that really matters is being of service and being full of joy, what do I need to do now to fulfill on that commitment? So experience it, get present to it, embrace it, and then explore what really matters. That's perfect. I love that. Can I work this into some of my stuff? It's all yours. I, everything I do is open source. Okay, awesome. Because <laughs> this is really good. This is this is the uh, well, the reason it works for me. This is pretty pragmatic, right? It's like... Yeah, it's all pragmatic. That's so glad you said that, Patrick. I, like I said, I want us to do a workshop together because if the exploration doesn't lead to an action that you're going to take, you didn't do it. <laughs> if it doesn't get practical, you, you missed the opportunity. But here's, here's okay, but this is where it gets complicated, dude. You know this, okay? Right, because I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Okay, I've gone through my three E's. Yep. Okay, 
And I, you know, I've experienced it. I've embraced it. I've explored it. I realize that there's my way of being, and there's some things I'm doing that it's, you know, it's my family, it's my dad, it's my mom, it's whatever. Okay. There's, there's a background to me thinking that sacrificing is a noble thing. Let's just say it's that, right? That's good. Very good. It's what you have to do. But now I'm going, I'm going to get my head out of my ass. I'm going to quit doing this. Yeah. Okay. But now what? Because there's a ripple effect called, who does it affect? I'm I'm with you. So what am I going to do? Because then I'm going to bump up against that. Exactly. So now, now, because what you've done by default is you've trained those people around you to relate to you a particular way. And you're right. The moment you alter, it's going to ripple out to everyone around you because everybody's been relating to you as the guy who's going to sacrifice. So the next step, one of those actions is communicate. Hey, listen, I saw something, (laughs) you know, you know, in the 12 step program, you make amends. (laughs) You, You communicate. Listen, for the last couple of months, couple of weeks, I fell into this non-productive thing of sacrificing. You know, you may have benefited it. You may have noticed it. You may not have seen it. But I want you to know I'm altering my behavior and I'm still going to care about you. But I'm going to need to devote a little more time to taking care of me. Otherwise, th- this, ba- this battery needs recharging. Mm-hmm. So you communicate. So I'm going to put... What I believe on the table is yeah. is, is is a fundamental as coaches and as people yeah. in general yeah. that we bump up against. We see this with people, you and I. Like I, when I do when I'm doing work with the, the cool thing, I'm gonna I, I I'm gonna rave a little bit about the Elite Fifty Two Coaching Program, uh, do. Uh, Alan, because we it we work it on a platform called Podio. So the, it's a written like so. I I don't know if you're familiar with Podio. Do you remember? I sure am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott Scott Ford, you turned me on to it, and also Nick. Right. So we do all of our work in there because it's 100% transparent with the coaches. So I can put you in a room. It's just me and you, or it's me and you and four other coaches, whatever. But it's a lot of writing. So in other words, when somebody is communicating with me, and as you know, the it's brilliant because you, you can't hide behind words. You just can't, you know? And so it's like, a window into your soul when you're yeah. writing. And, and so yeah. I love, love, love it. I can't say yeah. enough about it. But the point is this, is that when I believe what part of the block is in doing this kind of personal growth work, professional growth work, is that you bump up against what happens is, is that you change and the world doesn't really change. So yeah. in other words, you start to shift and and that's the fear because what if you have the realization that this doesn't work for you and that could be workmates it could be significant others it could be family like all of a sudden you have to go i can't be here this doesn't work unless yeah. you're prepared to go on the journey with me yeah right yeah. yeah and so i think people just go i can't do this and they walk away would you agree yeah. with that some yeah i think yeah, some i think some many. And again, if we use the 12-step program, you know, which really does work, you know, some people during that process wind up making different friends Mm -hmm. because they want to be in a network of people, a community of people that's going to support the behaviors they're committed to doing. So there are people I don't talk to anymore, not because I banish them, because 
just what they bring to me. They want somebody to feel this or do this or, or gossip with them. And I don't, so I'm no longer a safe harbor for them. So their their boats don't pull up at, at you know at the dock. But it's not because I've told them I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. I've just changed the way I'm interacting with them, and they no longer find it useful. Now, there's others who go, oh, good. When I talk to Alan, we just don't gossip. Good. Now, let's talk about family members. Family's tough. Family's is, so yeah. tough. So you it's and complicated. I. You, you, exactly. So you and I, you know, our family is our family is our family. And I'm not into disowning people. So where, when you get to that place with, okay, you're going to change that behavior with that family member. Yeah. And they're expecting, they might be annoyed, but you're going to love them. You're going to have compassion. You're not going to tell them they're wrong. You're going to appreciate all of that, you know? Uh, so I'm not telling people, leave your family. No. If they're not going to change their behavior. That's not my coaching. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, right? Is, is it's not about leaving your family. It's certainly not about that. This is always about you. How are you going to show up? Exactly. How are you going, how are you going to, like, what are you, how are you going to hold space? There, there's still, with family, there's often, well, I think with people in general, there, in, uh, in many people, uh, there's there's a pattern of the need to be right. And and with with, we all, we can all learn a lot by just letting go of the need to be right. You got it. You, you know, got it. I've, I've had many heated conversations where I've just finally got to go, I don't need to be right in this. I, that doesn't matter. You know, one Let of the go. most challenging things for me, Patrick, that I've encountered in the last year is, as you know, I've got this commitment that anything can be resolved through communication. Anything. Mm-hmm. You know, any upset, any misunderstanding, any difference of opinion, we can resolve this if we just listen deeply and hear the other person. So the way to trigger me is to have a problem with me and refuse to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, shut down. (laughs) Just, just, no, we're not going to talk about it. And and boy, I get, I I get hooked. It's a hook. And and then, but then what is, I don't go, oh, well, you know, that person's a whatever, you know, I don't call, well, I do for a minute in my mind, I would, but I wish they were different. But then the moment I get to wishing they were different, I go, okay, they're in my life for a reason. I've got to embrace it at the right time. They'll be ready to communicate. And I hope we both live long enough to see it. I look right now at, you know, there's a, a, I don't know if it's a quote, it was just a, a headline that said, you know, any crisis is just preparation for the next crisis. Beautiful. Right? I love it. And I think that any conflict, confrontation is really an opportunity for us to learn from, to actually try and rise above. That's what defines, you know, communication is, man, oh man, it's easy to say the word communication, but it's a skill. Okay. And there's certain things that I know that I'm really, really good at. There's some things that I, I, I know that I'm not good at, but I don't even know what they are. I just yeah, know that I try really hard to get a certain result and I don't get that result. And I go, what the heck? Like, yeah. what's going on for me? So, yeah. you know, we've joked about this. I think you're aware of it is that when I get into a, it, when I'm having a, a tough conversation or a complicated conversation, whether that's 
could potentially be confrontational or it's it's actually exploring a problem. I rarely go into those conversations anymore by myself. Oh, cool. Because here's what I've learned. And I and I do this a lot with my my uh the my executive team. So Jennifer or a JG or a Bonnie or a Cheryl, like it's it's like be in this conversation with me because I know that sometimes what I'm saying, what I'm meaning from it is totally misunderstood. So they're there as my translator. And, and I mean, I'm speaking English. No, I get it. (laughs) Right. It's like, okay, how the hell did they get that out of what I just said? So Patrick, let's, let's use that as a case in point. That is the perfect example of what it looks like when you know that just having a good intention isn't enough. No. And so what you then put in place is a structure that makes it more likely and practices that make it more likely that your intention will produce the desired result. Mm, That's brilliant. Yeah, I, uh, but to me, it's like a workaround. <laughs> it's like no, it's not. It's not a workaround. <laughs> like I think no, but I I think I should be able to communicate better than that. I mean, I do uh, well, it for a living. For a well, I sake. think I I think I should be able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, <laughs> but I don't have a cape and I don't have that. that you are that, Superman. That, There's no that, doubt about it. But you know that would be wonderful. But we are at where we are where we are. I I think. My version of that, Patrick, is I think I ought to be a great coach for anybody who comes my way. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that can hook me. Mm -hmm. If I'm working with someone and my coaching isn't producing the result, I'll go, what's wrong with me? Why, Why didn't I come up with something different to say or whatever? And, you know, fortunately, those don't happen in the majority of the cases. But where that does happen like you, like you, it's an opportunity. What do I, what don't I know? Mm-hmm. What do I need to learn? Or do I just need to accept that certain people thrive with certain coaches and won't thrive with others? And there's nothing wrong with that. Just is. It's a way just, that we show up in, and yeah, I've learned that for sure. And I've also learned a couple things is around, you know, around in, in, just in the coaching world, but even yeah. in, you know, as parents or, or, cause we're all at some level, we're all, you know, many people are just guides, you know, whether yeah. they do it for a living or not. But yeah. there's there's one fundamental that I've really, really come to understand. And that is that you can't want something for somebody more than they want it for themselves. Exactly. And, Good. you know, and that's probably the biggest lesson I've gotten over the years in working with right. so many. I can't want this more for you than you want it for yourself. And exactly. I get caught there. I do. Get, that's my hook. I get, I, I get caught there. I get it. So now here's a question, which may be, you know, there's so many folks now, people who are listening or parents are spending way more time with their children than they used to because the kids are not going to school. They're not in daycare. Right. And going back to the sacrifice thing, I don't think you and I ever talked about this, Patrick, but I know, you know, we, we both have raised an extraordinary child in your case, and two extraordinary children in my case. And over the course of raising them and working with people, I came up with the three principles for being an extraordinary parent. Okay. Lay it on me. Lay it on me. And these are the only, and there's so many books out there. So read all the books you want, but these are the basics. Mm -hmm. One, 
love them unconditionally. Oh, there's there's a word there. Unconditionally. Don't love them better when they when they get good grades. When they and work love hard. them worse if they wind up being in jail. Love them un so they because that's for their brain development and their psyche development, being in an environment where they are loved unconditionally helps prepare them for the world. Mm -hmm. So love them forever unconditionally. Never withhold love. Mm -hmm. Number one. Number two, feed, clothe, shelter, shelter, take care of their physical needs until they're old enough to take care of their own and hope that they learn that before they turn 40. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That would be the best thing. (laughs) Absolutely. But the third one, and this is the hidden one, and it flies in the face of sacrifice. It's not do everything that your kid needs. It's you have an extraordinary life so that your children, when they look at you from any age, they'll see that what it is to be an adult is to have an extraordinary life. Mm -hmm. It's not about, oh, I'm going to put off my life until they're older. No sacrificing allowed. You have an extraordinary life. So, you know, while your kids are at home with you and while you're, you know, spending more time with them, make sure you're modeling, hey, this is, these are the facts, but here we are home together. How are we going to make this great. You have an extraordinary life. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And, and, and I think, you know, I, I think really, you know, you already embodied that there was nothing new in that for you. Cause you know, I have the pleasure of, of, of knowing Erin and, you know, and, and she certainly has been loved unconditionally, certainly has been supportive and, and certainly got to see you, you know, continue to grow and grow and grow and develop having an extraordinary life yourself. So you, you got your job done. <laughs> job well done. Job well done. Job exactly. well done. She's exactly. still talking to me. So I was, you know, she's 33. <laughs> she still talks to me. We still hang out. So phew. <laughs> so there's, I want to circle back to something yeah. that we were kind of joking about early on yeah. around COVID in terms of, sure. you know, the things that it means to, to our globe, to our world, which is, yeah. you know, mother earth. And, yeah. um, and, the space now that there's some healing going on. Yes. And, and, and there is a, a, you know, there's, I have a fundamental belief that that is, you know, George Carlin used to do a thing where he'd go, he actually said, you know, in in his, one of these riffs uh, that he would go on because George Carlin as a comedian was kind of a cool guy, but he talks about, he says, we're so arrogant as humans to think that we have an impact on the earth, you know, on mother, you know, mother nature, mother earth. Yes. Because, you know, he said, here's the thing, is that people are like fleas on a dog, and when that dog gets tired of it, it just scratches them and shakes them off and, you know, gives it a good shake and it goes. We think in hundreds of years. Mother Nature, of course, thinks in millions of years. Yes. And so, so Mother Nature's been putting up with this a long time. She's just giving herself a shake, and it shows up in, in a coronavirus. This is all funny and philosophical, not meant to be funny in that regard. Uh I'm not a comedian. My point is this. In the recovery conversation, and I got to this in a twisted way, Carrie Granger does some really great work about recovery. Yes, yes. And, and, you know, think about right now what's going on. We've got Earth that we've kicked the shit out of 
You know, whether you believe in it or whatever you believe, doesn't matter. There's some wounds that need to be healed on this, on this planet. Yep. Okay. How they got the wounds. I'm not going to argue about it. It's wounded. Yep. Mother nature goes, okay, here's one way to shut it down. I need a break. She's healing. Take a couple of months to do that. Awesome. Eight weeks. It's like a broken leg, you know? Yep. Yep. (laughs) But but what is it, you know, think about if we give ourselves the space to hold this as a time of recovery. Back yeah. into human nature of human doing, how much is this forcing people to slow down, perhaps heal? Take this as a time to explore the healing. What are you doing to look after yourself? You know, how are you looking after that mental, emotional, kind of spiritual? There's some recovery happening here. How's that for a profound, deep thought? No, I, I I love it. You know, I really I love it. I don't know where I'm going with it, but yeah, I don't know either. What, <laughs> you know, when 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 we did that that performance clinic and and we looked at recovery and 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 we said, you know, there's four areas where you need to regenerate: physical, mm-hmm. rest, eat, exercise, intellectual. You need to recover, read, talk, think, emotionally. You need to recover, you know, be with, be in situations that nurture you emotionally. And then spiritually, we need to recover, you know, and, and if it's not going to be meditate, go for a thoughtful walk, and then you can combine physical regeneration with spiritual, you know, go for a mindful walk, mm-hmm. you know, but really uh, uh, allow yourself, allow yourself to take care of your physical needs your intellectual needs, your emotional needs, and your spiritual needs. And, and then repeat. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and then repeat. Uh, I, I've been telling people, stay safe, breathe deeply, stay connected to who you are, repeat. <laughs> well, that, but, that, that's a pra- but that takes some actual... That's a practice. It's a that practice, takes, right? That takes discipline. Yeah. It and t- it, it takes having a calendar or having a support buddy, or having a something where what you're actually going to do is get practices in your life. Listen, the only thing that impacts results, as far as we know, in the physical world is action. Mm -hmm. So if you're not taking the actions to be connected spiritually, if you're not taking the actions to take care of your emotions, to take care of your intellect, to take care of your physical body, you know, it won't be taken care of. And the physical does really, really support the mental, emotional, spiritual a lot. I mean, it's a big component of it. They're all connected. You can't, you you can't, yeah, you can't just live in one world. It's heart, mind, and hand. It's all one. Yeah. So I want to share, because this is such a a great conversation, because people are maybe in terms of social distancing, they're not really going for walks. They may be not in that environment. I'm blessed to be in an environment where I can walk, I can do all sorts of things. And I want to share a little, this is, I think this is so important for people in terms of perspective. You know, Nick, uh, Nick Banks and I, you know, got into this conversation quite, because uh, he's, we're both fitness guys, as you know, yeah, but, but I, I do. do at my, at my, this point in my life, I'm less about fitness and I'm more about wellness. In other words, yeah, I'm noticing good. that I got to, chill out. I kick the shit out of my body and, and it, it's going, don't quit it. Like you don't yep. need to beat the crap out of me like this anymore. Yep. Nick's still right. at that point in his life where fitness is a big thing. 
<laughs> so him and I are really getting into this this conversation, and and this could go on for a little bit because I I I did I was part of a research program that was really really cool. My whole point was this: is that my mom is ninety two years old. I'm going to give you this context, and I'm blessed. She's of sound body at ninety two. She's still doing her thing. She's you know she's present. We can have this. We could almost have this conversation with her. Wow. Totally awesome. engaged. Like it's, it's pretty profound, but here's the thing about it is the one thing about my mom that she always did. And that's why I'm sharing the story. She was always, she would go for walks. That yeah. was her thing. And she would intentionally walk. She would power walk. She would, you know, she was always very physically active that way. And I go, I think that's probably a big part of her longevity, which is all to say in this conversation is that as much as I, I think about fitness and all, it's really about wellness. And it does, it's not that complicated. People yeah. make it way, way more than it needs to be. You don't need to be that active. Get out 30 minutes, two 15 minutes, a 40 minute walk. And you're, you're a walker. I, I believe you like to get out and walk, right? That's your thing. And, yep. and that's all it needs to be. That's right. And that will give you so much time to think, to get grounded, just get out and walk. And, and, and as you know, you know, and, and if you want to do those strength things and you don't have a gym, use your body resistance, do totally. push-ups, do crunches, totally. you know, yeah. do jumping jacks. You, you can be so healthy and never set foot in a gym, never lift a weight and really be well, be, be well. Very well. Yeah. But this, then, of course, this weaves into a conversation we had just not that long ago, just a few minutes ago, which was around short-term gain versus the future and long-term gain, long-term loss, short-term loss, long-term gain. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? It's all about habits. Okay. My friend, I think we're, uh, we got to wind this down. Yeah. Let's wind it down. Okay. We got to wind this down, but I I still got to ask you, you know, some, some, the, you know, the, our departing questions. Have they they changed? Well, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, but Hey, you know, it's been a while. I mean, I don't know how long it's been on. You've been on. You haven't been on the show for what a no, year. No, it's been it's been a while. So, yeah, and, and it could be like, they could be the same, and my memory isn't that good. So, they'll see. <laughs> I hope not. I, I mean, I, I this is these are always fun. So, we'll what's what's the current book you're reading? What are you reading these days? The current book I'm reading yes. is "Thanks for the Feedback." Thanks for the feedback. Who's the author? Two authors out of Harvard. Yeah, uh, uh, and they're both mediators. Yeah. And it, you know, we uh, this is a day and age where at a time where everybody's telling you what they think, everybody's giving you their opinion. It's all feedback. And most of us are terrible at receiving feedback. So this is about rewiring your brain so that you can receive the feedback you're getting, whether it's asked for or not, in a positive way. Can I uh, ask you a question? Because it just popped into my head, so I'm going to ask it. Yeah, your um, you know age is is just a a, a number, but no, I'm I mean, about next next Friday I turn seventy. Seventy, seventy. That's awesome. <laughs> but what the hell, Alan? Tell me, yeah. give me some perspective here, because yeah. you're you're you've got some years on me, and I love yep. that. So, Good. why are you doing this work now? I mean, aside from being an amazing coach, gifted yep. at doing what you're doing, the years of doing yep. it, yeah. Why are you doing this? Like, why are you trying to rewire brains and do your shit? You're 70 for Christ's sakes. Yeah, yeah. Now we go back to who, who, who's who's your favorite musician or poet? Bob Dylan. So Bob Dylan, one of his earliest songs is 
he not busy being born is busy dying. Mm. You're, you're either growing or you're contracting. Uh, yes. and, and for me, life is a game, as you know, and the game I'm playing is to be reliable 24-7 for staying true to my purpose. And I don't know anybody who is, but I want to keep playing that game till I take my last breath. Mm-hmm. And what can throw me off in, in, in staying connected to my purpose is if I get threatened. So if I get threatened by other people's input, criticism, whatever, I'm going to spend time where I'm not staying true to my purpose. So I'm doing this because I want to keep growing till I take my last breath. Mm. There you go. I wanted people to have that context because it's really, really powerful. And then the book, and then one other book I'm reading simultaneously is Taming the Wild Elephant or How to Tame a Wild Elephant. And my wife and I are reading it together. And you might want to read it with Stephanie. Every week, there are mindfulness exercises to do that you can do together as a couple. Oh, I love that. I haven't, Stephanie and I, we read, we read to each other. That was, a, yeah. we would sit up in bed and, and yeah. on Sunday mornings, particularly have a coffee and we'd read or at night and yeah. she, you know, are you going to read to me tonight? Yeah. Okay. I'll read to you. Tonight. And we would then pick up books. Anyways, that was really good. And this one's how to tame an elephant. How to tame a wild elephant. A wild elephant. Yeah. This is cool. I, I, le- le- lessons in mindfulness. Yeah. Oh, she would love doing this one. Yeah. And because yeah. plus, I know it's got nothing to do. And and, and, it's, and 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 the thing that's cool, Patrick, is it's the first week. It has nothing to do with meditate. All all it is for the first week: do th- as many things as you can with your non-dominant hand. <laughs> okay. Okay. This will be fun. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, and then we're going to circle back, and I'll tell you right. all about it. Okay. Right. Have you got a, what's your, uh, have you got an inspirational quote you're operating around these days? Yeah, it's the one I'm going to use in an hour from, I got it through Otto Sharma, the professor out at MIT who created Theory U and the Presencing Institute. And it's him quoting someone else, Bill O'Brien. And the quote is, the success of any intervention depends on the interior condition of the intervener. Mm. So if you're a leader, yeah. you're an in, you're an intervener. And if you're not paying attention to your own mood, your own inner state, whatever strategies you come up with are only going to go so far. Goes back to what I, yeah, we just talked about that. You got to look after yourself. You got to yeah. be doing all this stuff. Going to be yeah. a great leader. Gandhi said it in his way, be the change you want to see. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's just the best ever. Does it all. What's, you got a favorite tune you're working with these days? Nope. Favorite movie? Nope. I, I just nope. watched, We Stephanie and I just watched 19, what is it, 1917? 1918. 1918? 1918? Yeah. 1918? Did you really, like it? Yeah, it was really good. Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, uh, it's it pretty good. I, I've pretty been good. watching uh, some series on, on uh, uh, TV and and. Uh, one that's for lightheartedness is out by the BBC. It's called Sex Education, and it's <laughs> and it's and it's just a hoot. And 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 now I'm into some dark stuff. Ozark. Oh and- yeah, we've watched. We've been watching Ozark. <laughs> that, that, that was just crazy, crazy. It's very my, good. Though. Very my, good. my wife, my wife can't watch it. It's very good though. It's, uh, Stephanie and I love it. Okay, let's wind it up. What are you grateful for today, Alan? Uh, really. Uh, 
Patrick, uh, and really hear this, this is not opportunistic. I'm really grateful for you and that you and I are alive at the same time and that we get to uh, go on parallel paths that every now and then intersect. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, me too, my friend. I'm grateful always to have you on my show and uh, the wisdom that you bring and that you share and your openness and your willingness to uh, bring it to the show. I really am grateful for that. Grateful to know you. you. Alan Kahn, thank you, my friend. We will uh, circle back again, I'm sure. It's great. Ciao. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends as it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.